Welcome to the Black Panther Podcast. This event is an effort of the Bright Sea Collaborative, whose, whose mission is to create a more diverse and progressive future through art, technology, and culture. Special thanks to our partner, Street Level, who will be filming our show today. And thanks to First Aid Comics for allowing us to host our show here in the upper room of their comic book store. I'm Nicole Waddington, and today I'll be your host for the third in a series of four shows discussing Marvel's Black Panther movie. I would like to, first off, I'm grateful to have a little bit of time to explore the knowledge, insight, and opinions of two very special panelists who can help us better understand the world of the Black Panther. So I would like to start off by going around the table to introduce the guests. Hi, my name is Nikki Lynette. Um, I'm an independent musician who licenses my music to television and film. I'm a member of Sugar Gamers, which is an organization that represents underrepresented demographics in the worlds of geek culture, gaming, and technology. And um, I'm a self-professed nerd. So yeah, very happy to be here. Greetings. I'm Sheila Lewis. I am an executive producer, writer, and storyteller. I have a blended background in finance and communications. I know Jonathan and some of this crew from having a television and video production firm for over 10 years. And now I serve artists, creatives, and entrepreneurs and help them become more financially sustainable in the work that they do. All right. So we have a lot of dynamic power here at this table so let's just cut right on to it bam so all right so we've been hearing about it it is it has been a long journey hearing about it just just processing it how do you feel about this movie what are you anticipating about the black panther like what do you feel when you hear that title well, first of all, um, as I said to Bright Sea Collaborative, I said, listen, I'm not a comics expert. I had exposure to graphic novels from a former roommate, but I know nothing about comics. So what I love about this film is that it provides a platform for exposure to people who would never have even imagined this kind of a universe. Um, I'm excited that people are excited. I'm excited that everybody online is talking about their outfits. Mm -hmm. I'm excited that one of the churches I belong to has bought out six theaters and they're sold out. I'm excited that, you know, I can't get a ticket now because I snoozed and I waited too late. I love that from a financial standpoint, that it is the um, best pre-sales of any of the Marvel um, empire. Mm. So I'm really excited on so many levels for the communication and exposure to so many different people. People don't have to be a nerd. People don't have to be a blur. People don't have to be, you know, a graphic novel, no, any of this, but really get into the energy and the um, empowerment around um, living in a wonderful universe of black people and positivity. Hmm. Um, as a person who has engaged in geek culture my whole life, you know, mm -hmm. um, geek culture and, and comic books, these used to be things that were specific to nerds. Yeah. And now 
movies, you know, these comic book movies come out and it galvanizes the public to get really excited mm -hmm. about things that like people like me have been into for a long time. Cause you know, I am, I have alternative roots. So growing mm -hmm. up, like things like comic books, things like technology, things like futurism, these were concepts that were part of a very small niche world. Okay. Um, to see everybody engaging with the content in this way, it's not necessarily, per personally for me, I read graphic novels, I read comics. So this Black Panther conversation is not new to me. I knew about Black Panther, I knew about his marriage to Storm, I knew about <laughs> Wakanda, like this stuff isn't new to me. What is new to me though, and what I'm really looking forward to, is what the impact of Black Panther being this successful is going to do for the representation of black people in entertainment and media. Mm. Because what's going to happen is now all these different entities are saying, wow, when we get black directors and cast relevant black actors, they don't only have to be light-skinned, they can be people of various shades, we can get mm -hmm. young black people to, you know, be at the at the head of this, and, and, and we can fund this, and there will be a return. Now we're going to see more representation. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to see more things that are relevant to black people, and what I love about Black Panther, and of course I have not yet seen the movie, but what I love about the imagery, and all the way down to them getting Kendrick Lamar mm -hmm. to do the soundtrack, mm -hmm. what I love mm -hmm. about it is that they are not phoning it in. This is not token blackness. Right. This is not manufactured blackness. Mm -hmm. This is black people in 2018. So they're going to see that, hey, when we create something, when we give representation, and when we let it be unapologetically black, it can be lucrative. And I think that that's yeah. going to lead to more representation in entertainment and media. And that's what I... I'm, I'm a recording artist. I'm an entertainer. So, of course, that's what I'm most excited mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of points that we'll expand on. Now... This table is this table is full of creative power. I mean, we're we're creatives here. So, what kind of traits or things you feel haven't been seen in a lot of projects that's missing? Like would you feel you need to see in a lead character or, or a superheroine? Like what do you feel is still like not there when it comes to the the things you would like to see from a creative standpoint, from a creator standpoint. More women, more women of color. I think um, we're also missing the opportunity to share intergenerational stories. Um, uh, I hate that it's so focused. Usually media is focused on young um, or they put you in a particular category of young, middle, or seasoned. Um, I think that there's benefits to being able to share this, those stories at the same table and not be compartmentalized um, into different areas. Interesting, interesting, I agree. Now, we are getting to the... The, the very hot topic, one of the hot topics of the movie is the elite group of women that you see a lot in the promotional material, the Dora Milaje. Now, Wakanda is home to 18 different tribes and you have the strongest woman of each tribe joining in and they're like the personal guard for Black Panther. Now, when was the last time you've seen African women come together as a fighting force like that in real life all the time <laughs> 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 oh, 
but they don't show they don't show uh that type of sisterhood and bonding in film um the way that black women see i i can only speak from the perspective of a woman of color because i have never not been one so i i don't maybe women who are not of color have a similar sisterhood maybe there's a similar kindred thing i don't know but i do know that women tend to black women and and women of color in general i'll say women of color in general tend to have an ability to come together and unite for uh to accomplish things or for a cause and we see that just because of the um the success of black lives matter Mm -hmm. which is held by women exactly exactly what i um i loved xena warrior princess right i did i was like (laughs) that person and um but it was never any people of color. But I loved the power of a woman who was in shape and could kick ass. And so what I love about what this is doing is that it is showcasing women doing that same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like Nikki said, we've always come together. We always make things happen. We make that way. We make that village occur. But to be able to see that represented on film, Mm -hmm. to be able to see that represented in anything that media, I think of little children, little girls who are going to get a chance to see this, Mm -hmm. that to me is going to be the um, impact on um, our culture. Yes, and also to kind of piggyback of what you've already said, because particularly when it comes to black women and also just women of color in the diaspora it also has a reflection on how we are in various movements in life because black women were such a force in the civil rights movement here in america but oftentimes what ends up happening is that you'll just see women in kind of isolated situations Mm -hmm. like you kind of just see them in like little microcosms of, of, of storytelling, but never where it's just, with the exception of them just Front being in the background, they're like never really centralized. Absolutely. And like centralized in a way to where they're like a dynamic group together. So for me, it's very interesting to see them all come together because also too, it feeds into the stereotype that women can't come together, that mm. somehow there's this element of you know, aggression amongst women. Yeah, and competition when it's re- it's not as, uh, <laughs> you know, cutthroat as, as it seems when it comes to sisterhood. And that we, you know, I mean, you see it on the playground with girls playing double dutch. You see it when we're doing each other's hair. I mean, it, there's this unspoken bond that... Mm-hmm. This is real life. Yeah, that media tends to miss and it sends the wrong message that kind of feeds uh, very toxic ideologies about women and especially women of color. color. Right. I think that's what's happening, um, which is really, really good, is that for a long time, black women were seen as a monolith. And it's like, oh, black girl traits, black girl hair, black Mm -hmm. girl this. And what's happening over the past several years is that we are allowed 
autonomy as individuals. We're yeah. allowed, mm -hmm. okay, well, I can be a black girl who wears my bundles, and I can be a black girl exactly. with my natural hair, yeah. and exactly. we can still be friends and have things in common. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's really important. Mm -hmm. And I think another thing that's becoming very important is that black women have started calling out appropriation. Damn. When a black woman is wearing braids or wearing dreads, and we go through the struggles that we go through mm -hmm. to be accepted in different spaces with that aesthetic, and then a Kim Kardashian comes along and she calls it Boderic braids. Okay, sis, you cute in your braids, but you ain't finna act like that's Boderic, mom. Mm -hmm. Like, like, come on, come on back. And, and this is not me coming at Kim Kardashian, cause I mean, like, I don't know her personally at all right. in any way. But them ain't Boderic braids. My mama <laughs> gave me them braids. <laughs> You know the cornrows. And, and with the beads, exactly. come on now. With the right, exactly. <laughs> and I think that what's really important about calling out appropriation is that when we can understand, hey, this is what black women are bringing to this space. Now we have respect mm -hmm. for the contributions of black women. Now we have more brands showing representation and marketing products that we actually need. Now we have us being seen as influencers and tastemakers and getting our right rightful place in these conversations. Yeah, especially when the first millionaire was a black woman. It's Madam mm -hmm. C.J. Walker. So it's, it's, it's where our power is being recognized in the way that it should have been recognized a long time ago. But... That's a whole nother conversation. Whole nother podcast. Whole nother <laughs> <laughs> and on the subject of super women in color, look, we all kind of like, okay, look, we had one woman come out, but can we get like, like a Shiro lead character in movies? Like, we typically, you know, see women in real life you know, kicking butt all the time, you know, whether it be legislation, whether it be, or whatever platform. In movie, she's always a sidekick. Yeah, or... she's typically the supporting cast, or if she is dynamic, she's just kind of just a love interest, just there, just to be like, hey, hey. I girl. think she's you coming. Know, you know. <laughs> I think the black, like, the black powerful female lead in film is coming. I think the Black Panther is going to create room for that. I, I, mm. I think it's coming. It's probably going to be Lupita, and I will be front and center here for it. He'd just be killing it. I'm just like, what do, like, why you, like, she's just so magical. I'm just like, like think oh. about it. Storm should have by now already had her own movie. Storm, if it was mm. not Halle Berry playing Storm, no disrespect to Halle, she mad cute. But, <laughs> like, for me, Angela Bassett would have been the perfect Storm in her day. Now we got um, Denai Gurira. Yep. Am I pronouncing mm -hmm. the last name yes. right? Mm -hmm. If she mm -hmm. does not play Storm, I'm going to be sad and feel like I have <laughs> been let down in my generation. Like, we should have a Storm. She, she should be on film. She should be happening. It should happen already. And so I'm hoping, I'm putting it out there into the universe that that is the first black female lead we see in a comic book movie. And an interesting well, tidbit. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sheila. Or I... Um, in all genres, like seeing yeah. a strong black female lead, I think is important. Now, whether or not you liked uh, Taraji Henson's recent movie or not, the fact that she um, made sure to take the lead by executive producing a film mm -hmm. that is cast her as an action figure yeah. um, in 
in that kind of genre is a step in the right direction. And people threw all kinds of shade at the yeah. movie. So from a content standpoint, you may not like it, but people are like, oh, you know, that's why it's a flop. I was like, you you didn't run those numbers. Actually, for opening weekend, she made 75% of the production yes. cost. Opening yeah, weekend. We at haven't all. even gotten to international. We haven't gotten to second second weekend. We haven't gotten to uh, video on demand. We haven't gotten to any of that. So it's financial success. And I hate to say it, but financial success has a lot to do with how we control our image on screen. Mm -hmm. I mean, we need to be able to write the checks. So you have a project and you have a project and you're going to come to me and say, hey, I got this, you know, graphic novel I want to do. I'm like, okay, talk to me. Let's write those checks. Let's mm-hmm. make sure that we have those financial systems in place to support one another to create the stories that we want to be seen. Right, exactly. And a, and a tidbit to kind of go back to what you were saying, Nikki, about Angela Bassett. It's interesting because Angela Bassett was going to initially be Storm um, back in the double O's, back when the first X-Men, um, um, the first trilogy for, uh, came out, but they didn't offer her the pay grade that she wanted so and it's interesting because it's it's the conversation also gets into about black women getting paid as they should be paid Mm -hmm. you know because of course you know the whole the the whole thing with you know another actress but that's a whole totally different conversation but yeah it definitely runs into another conversation that should be had as well so we have we have Storm, we have Vixen, we have Bumblebee, we have we have Amanda Waller, we have Rocket, we have all of these different different dynamics of black super heroinism as I'd call it, you know, in comics. How do you feel about that and do you feel that it's um that they offer a a balanced gamut of what black sheroism could be or do you think that there's also more room within those different contrasts to where we could show more of a uh, wider perspective of the black woman in comic culture when we're talking about comic book culture a lot of these characters are like older than us mm. so how they are represented on camera is not always true to canon mm. like Halle Berry as Storm Come on now. <laughs> she wasn't even really like effective as a cat woman. So like Ooh. And I'm saying Ooh. it is somebody, somebody who likes really, I'm saying it is somebody who likes Halle Berry and have probably seen every movie that Halle Berry has been in and the extent to which her black don't crack is something that I can only aspire. You know what I'm saying? But I feel that black female characters have not always been true to canon. Hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how black female characters are portrayed in, in, in comic book movies moving forward. I think it's going to say a lot hmm. about what the future of that genre looks like. Um, I'm also ready extremely ready to see like the sister mentioned black female characters that are not over sexualized or just super young yeah like i am 
ready to see more range. Yeah. And I think that if we start seeing that in comic book movies, it's going to say a lot about the state of the industry right now. Mm, I think it's all about a shift. Um, so I can remember the controversy, a, I don't know, a couple of months ago, a year ago, whatever it was, when um, Idris was floated as being the next Bond and people mm, were mm. up in arms because they couldn't imagine. I was just like, yes, oh my God, yes. Uh -huh. So it's a shift in how um, mainstream entertainment business has seen African-Americans in lead roles. And so, um, like you said, extending that range and looking at the character and whether or not they have the acting skills to be able to do that. You know, I agree on a couple of things with Halle Berry. I was like, well, not my favorite actress, but okay. Um, maybe it works for someone else. But when you look at Idris and Bond, I'm like, that's a no-brainer. You don't even yeah. have to have a casting call for that. Like, make that happen. Yeah. So be able to align the people who actually have the ability with um, the positions to be able to show that ability. Hmm. Interesting. Now, we do have, in light of Black Panther and, and, and along with what's happening, we do have a good number of independent artists uh, on the forefront of pushing, you know, super women forward. We have people like uh, Yona Harvey. We have Juliana Smith. We have Mildred Lewis. We have all these different uh, campaigns and projects that are on the uh, mission of pushing super women and also super women of color forward. So we have... We just have like a lot of opportunity that's happening right now and so much perspective that's being uh, told that's not told from a perspective of power, but by actual person, because far often do we have people in positions of power uh, telling the story as opposed to it being from the person that is supposed to supposed to center. So we have a lot going on. So. With that being said, we wanted to highlight a few of those. Like I said before, we have Yona Harvey. Okay, we have Roxanne Gay, maybe the first black woman to write for Marvel Comics. But Yona Harvey is the second. She will be joining Gay on World of Wakanda, co-writing a 10-page backup story for the premiere issue. That story will focus on Zenzi, who incited a riot in the first issue of Black Panther. That's interesting to note. We have Mildred Lewis, who has been publishing the series twice a week for a few years now and just released the first physical collection thanks to a successful Kickstarter campaign, Agents of the Realm. Combines elements from a handful of genres, most recognizably the Magic Girl fantasy style of series like Sailor Moon, but with Lewis's own twist. The cast of characters offers a team of kick-ass young women with diverse backgrounds and appearances. We also have Juliana Jewel Smith, who has Afrocentric, an ongoing story about a group of young people of color working within the community to fight against gentrification. Now, that's mm. interesting. Smith says she created the comic to challenge readers about the presumptions around race, class, gender, 
and sexuality through character dialogue. Now, I will definitely be looking into that. We have Michelin Hess with Malice in Ovenland. This story follows Lily Brown, a young girl from Queens, as she discovers a world of adventure hidden inside her oven. Now, we already know, that. <laughs> we already know how the oven be making magic, but not magic like that. <laughs> Hess says she was inspired to write this fantasy adventure story for young audiences because as a kid, she almost never saw this kind of comic book character she could relate to. And also, too, we have Tanika Stotts, and we also have, of course, you know Ashley Woods, Millennia War and Niobe, an orphan wild elf teenager and also the would-be savior of the vast and volatile fantasy world of Asunda. She is running from a past where the devil himself would see her damned. Mm. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> now, another talking point surrounding the whole Black Panther project is the movie premiere and the what is called the purple carpet. Now, did you get now? I don't what y'all saw, but I know what I saw, and I just saw everybody just. Now you know they say black don't crack. Well, black show up and show out. Did you see them? Did you see the outfits? I did. Oh my god! Like, can, can we talk about? Oh my goodness. It made me want to think like, damn, I have to step my game up. My yeah, little outfit like is just basic. I need to, you know. Like no t-shirt. Around the world. Right. The premieres around the world have been just awesome from a fashion yeah. standpoint. Yes. Um, from hair standpoint. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I need to do those little twists. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just, um, I think it's just so holistic. Yeah. Uh, the way it's being presented and the way it's being marketed, um, it makes me proud to see them every time they step out. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm, I never really follow premieres. I'm just like, oh, I'll go see it when I see it. Premieres right. is all about, you know, everybody showing up. I'm, now I'm like glued. I'm like, what? What they wearing? What they, yep. Who's yep. on the carpet? Yeah, who's is, on the yeah, carpet? It's, it's like it's, it's exciting. Now. It is yes. exciting. Mm -hmm. What you think? We so rarely get to, you know... If you think about what's the sister's name, the one who had trouble um, getting a dress, um, Leslie Jones. Yeah. Leslie, right? Like Leslie, you know, she recently put out this uh, this statement about how she feels like as a she's having trouble, but and, and communicated that she considers herself to be unattractive. Yeah. And I'm sure that you know the fact that she was unable to get dressed for her own major film yeah. career mm. didn't make that better. So the right, fact that we're right. seeing designers, you know, I, I even saw some people saying, uh, they should have had all black designers on the runway and this and that, or they should have had all black designers doing the clothing that they had on the carpet. And my question would be why? My question would be, why would we not instead communicate the significance of black actors being able to wear any design? Anything. And, right. And... And, and have them be beautiful and worthy. And it's my understanding that some of them actually were wearing black designers. Yeah. But let's not forget that it was a black woman who we just looked up, Ruth E. Carter, who did all of the costume yes. design for the entire film. There you go. Right. And so I, I, I have to look at it both from both sides of it. Like, mm -hmm. I... I loved seeing that, but it wasn't only because of the fashion. It was also because of what it represents and how it's going to push the culture forward. I agree. It's about agree. the shift, you know. We we shouldn't have to be in the compartment of only black designers. Um, whenever someone comes 
um, to a film premiere, if you have a Halle Berry, it's not only black designers. Everybody wants to dress Halle Berry because what? There's an opportunity yeah. for that designer to have their clothing showcased. Well, this is an opportunity for any designer to have their clothing showcased in front of an audience that they didn't even know existed. Yeah, exactly. I feel like what it communicates is wow, okay, through black films and films that black people connect to, films in which black people see representation, we can find access to a market that is very valuable for us. Yes. Let us market to them. Let us find out what's relevant to them and, and, and create things that they would want to buy. I think that that's a very important conversation. And again, do I, do I think that that means that we should exclude black designers or yeah. not support black designers? No, I would say if anything, black designers who are creating stuff that is in alignment with the aesthetic that's becoming yes. very popular within black fashion and black independent fashion, designers who are doing that now are going to find a whole new market of people who are probably going to be looking for them and looking for the kind of stuff they create. Yeah, and also to the fact that black is such a wide gamut that... We might be looking at black and don't even know it because we're expecting it to look a particular way. You know, that just because we don't see the um, the Ankara or if, if we don't see particular patterns, they'd be like, right. oh, see, that's black. Right. Like, but it, right. you, you could be looking at a designer that has a more, you know, a more simpler design. But we wouldn't expect that because we're expecting black to look a particular way. So uh, that, that's always something that people uh, tend to forget because black is such a wide range. Black is expressive in so many ways. It's iterated in, in so many different manifestations that, okay, like, look, all black is not going to look the same. So. Like everything ain't gonna look like the video for all the stars. You know what I'm <laughs> like Clean. some stuff is gonna look different, and I think that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So with this soundtrack, we have we have like a phenomenal like soundtrack. It's curated by Kendrick Lamar. Fourteen tracks. We got SZA. We got Schoolboy Q. J Rock. We have Two Chains, Future, Vin Staples, Anderson Pop. You name it. And you just mentioned the music video with SZA and Kendrick Lamar, um, All the Stars. So what are your thoughts about that kind of representation in music videos? I thought it was gorgeous, but again, I'm, I'm black punk. So this aesthetic mm -hmm. is not something that, it, it, I've been dressing like that since I was a teenager. And anybody who's a fan of me knows that. So, of course, I liked it because mm -hmm. it looks very familiar to me. I just wish there were more women on the soundtrack. Very true. Very true. I would say I loved it because of the exposure. Again, I didn't grow up dressing that way. And I love the funkiness. I like the difference. I like seeing... Um, it's an expression of creativity in the way that one some people may not expect. And it's uh, um, beauty expressed um, through people's creativity. So I love the expression of creativity, even if I don't like it. I'm like, eh, not for me, but 
I still love the artistry of it. Mm. It's important for me to see people express their artistry. And when I see that happening and it's not the same cookie cutter, it's very different, it's very expressive, that is where I get the joy from. I don't have to like it, I don't have to be exposed to it, I don't have to know anything about it, but to be exposed to it, to learn something new and to just be influenced by someone else's thought is, mm. is where I like to um, stay when I see stuff like this. I think that they did a good job of staying true to the things within that particular subculture mm -hmm. that we expect to see and the ways in which we expect to see it. We don't like it looking cheap. We know, nope. what, no. you know, we know no. what the symbols are. We know how the cloth is supposed to be used. Like, So I think that they did a good job of being authentic. I just wish they would have had more women on the soundtrack. 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 <laughs> <laughs> And we are back. We are back from break. And here we are. I am still here with Nikki Lynette. And I am obviously Nicole Wannington. So, hey, how you doing? We back. Obviously, Nicole Wannington. Obviously, Nicole Wannington. Obviously, that's who she is. Obviously. <laughs> All right. So, we were just... We, we're not going to talk about what we said off camera, but back to the conversation. Now we're at the point where we were talking about the haters. We were talking about the groups protesting Black Panther. Now, we are just going to go through a few of these little sad little groups. <laughs> this group right here, right? This group described itself as a pro-DC expanded universe fan page that opposes Disney's Marvel and Star Wars franchises. It's the same group that claimed responsibility for lowering the score of Star Wars Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, in December 2017, complaining that the film included social justice warrior concepts by featuring prominent female characters that spoke down to the film's male characters. Then we have another group called Christians Against Black Panther Movie, y'all. That has popped up on the scene and has grown tremendously as the movie approaches. The six-year-old group started by someone who will be named Nameless now has over 4,000 members. <laughs> the group's mission statement is a little vague, but does start off with welcoming all fellow followers of the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The group mentions the people behind the movie being the liberal mega propaganda machine and says that the movie is racist because it promotes the Black Panther Party, a revolutionary socialist organization founded by Bobby Seale and Huey Newton. Now. Wow. Where do we start? I, there's so much to unpack. Um, first of all, the Black Panther Party was not a terrorist group. Never. It was created 100 years after the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> the Ku Klux Klan was first. The Black Panther Party was a direct response. So, um, second, it is a comic book movie mm -hmm. written by Marvel. That's white folk. So, it wasn't written by the Black Panther Party. Um, but I think... But they, they use the same chant as the Black Panther. I know, it's a panther. They in, Newton's Panthers are chance. bad. Nothing's oh. good about Panthers. No. Oh, Where's the um, white? I know, right? Ain't no white panthers. Um, I think that one thing that we don't acknowledge is that, um, and, and, and I, we have to think about how sad and pathetic it is that truly sad for a lot of people in this country, they're scared. Yeah, they for are. A lot of conservative, vanilla people 
um, whiteness, white conservativeness has been the default mm-hmm. for a long time. Very long time. And none of my white friends are even like that. Mm. Like, I don't even know no straight up white vanilla people anymore. But they exist somewhere somehow. They do. Like, I don't know where, but they here. And they're loud and they have money. Yeah. And so when they speak out, they get heard, but their voices are becoming quieter and quieter. They no longer have the power to stop something like yes. a Black Panther from exactly. happening. So there's going to be outcry. But there's also been black people, like we talked about earlier, there's mm. also been black people who have been salty about different aspects of Black Panther, saying that um, they feel that money from the film should be donated, it's not black enough. Marvel is ran by white people, and ultimately, that's who's going to make the most money off of it, not the director or the black cast. Mm-mm. And to that, I would say, shut up. And I say that because, you know, what we want is for black films and black representation to be profitable to entities like Marvel, entities like Nickelodeon, entities like Disney, mm-hmm. because they will ultimately create more opportunities for black designers, black black costume designers, black actors, black directors. And through creating a lucrative environment in those spaces, Mm -hmm. we will ultimately be able to fund our own. Exactly. We will be able to compete in those spaces ourselves and and get funding like other people Mm -hmm. who play this same game. Yeah. Ultimately, we'll be able to do the same thing. And why don't we want that? If we're having a conversation about equality, Mm -hmm. equality is not, hey, let me and all the other black people go over here and do this only for black people. No, Mm -hmm. equality is, hey, guess what? We have a really dope thing. Okay, well, let us fund this thing. Now we created this thing. Now we're going to market and promote this thing. Exactly. If anything, you want black entities to be able to... Do these types of like this is a black director, this is a young black director. This yeah, is somebody Ryan, that got like Ryan 40, Cooper. 50 years in the paint. Yeah. Exactly. So we want more entities to be able to compete and sure. work in these spaces and have the same respect as their peers. Exactly. Because now Brian Cooper is on the same level as like he's done a film to the same magnitude as a John Favreau. Oh yeah. He he's he is one of our leading Renaissance, black Renaissance directors. I mean, we, Ryan Cooler, who's obviously done Creed, and obviously look at the sex that has made. And and just, this movie, to me, just exposes a lot of people's nature. Yeah. Like, from both sides, obviously. You have the white side, um... And also, too, because you definitely mentioned the conservative side, which is very interesting because I feel like it also exposes the the supposed white demographic that claims tolerance, but really kind of exposes a deeper level that even they themselves have not really come to terms with, you know, because of just what they think they are of themselves when it comes to race relations, um, uh, gender identity, and that they feel that, you know, hey, yeah, yo, yeah, me, I'm, I'm good because I align myself with these people. So, so I'm clearly not racist, but right. they don't not, they do not understand that it is a deeper, more, um, more hidden level to racism that plays out in quote-unquote liberal circles, and I see Black Panther being an example of 
of that being exposed. See, black people didn't choose to have Black Panther be the movie that showed up and gave us proper representation with actors that we like Mm -hmm. and a director that we're really into. We didn't choose that. Mm -hmm. That just happened right now. That decision was just made. Mm -hmm. And so it just so happens that this particular film speaks to what we want to see and what we connect with. We did not choose that. We did not choose, hey, everybody, let's all collectively... Like Black Panther, no, it just showed up it at the just, right time under yes. the right circumstances. Mm-hmm. And, and and people who are against it are just going to be on the wrong side of history. Yes. If you recall, there was a time when black entertainment and black film were very prominent in America. And what always happens is it does really well. Something mm-hmm. happens. It gets whitewashed and it goes away. It goes and away. I think that with this happening in the entertainment era that is so deeply entrenched in the internet... Mm-hmm. It's going to have way more staying power now. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. And and what's going to be interesting with net neutrality showing up and making it so content is king more than it ever has been before, mm-hmm. more and more of these major media networks are going to have to start doing stuff that black people like. Yes. And, I, and I'm going to be honest and say that one of the main entities that has been at the forefront of creating content that black people keep coming back to has been Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm, they was I'm salty at them for getting rid of the get down, but mm-hmm. there was there's still been. But then Netflix has chewing gum. Netflix has Luke Cage. Yes. Netflix has Bright. Mm-hmm. Netflix has uh, what's the sister? It's this one. It's I forget the name of it, but it's like a funny show about dating. It's a black girl. But the point is like. Netflix is starting to, and I know that we have the issues with Netflix right now because of what happened with Monique Monique. and Mm -hmm. her fighting for, you know, her equality around whatever. And I'm not even going to take a side on that. No entity is perfect. Netflix is still a corporation. But in a lot of circles, you'll see this conversation happening around Netflix kind of disrupting Hollywood. Because it's making it so you could just put out a major film yes. or something like that mm-hmm. without even having to go through the traditional Hollywood channels. Yeah, it's it's simply um, with Netflix and the advent of just social media in general, it definitely um, it demystifies the route to Hollywood and success and fame simply just because of accessibility. That you have whole industries being either re revitalized or being made simply just because that the road to the creator to the viewer is a lot more clear and with less obstacle than it is to kind of go through the routes of Hollywood and saying, okay, yeah, let me, let me write something and let me see who, where I'll get the money from. And then having people kind of like put their hands in and kind of just have their way with it. Now it's where it also stands to make content more purest to its form because creators have more creative control. And with that being said, because internet is so is becoming more commonplace, especially in areas that didn't have it before, you know, it's going to definitely, uh, we're going to see just a lot more perspective and a lot more representation in ways that we've never seen it before. I mean, we're, we're talking about gaming, we're talking about anime, we're talking about we're talking about TV, we're talking about movies, we're even talking about just, just, just writing, just the way that that content is being distributed and it's distributed into a way that it's way more accessible will definitely um 
help speed along the process of the things that we are looking to see when it comes to black representation, black women representation, and all kinds of different um, elements of representation. One thing that's real interesting, Spike Lee um, recently did his movie She's Gotta Have It. Mm-hmm. I put, I have music on the soundtrack. Yes, he was able do. to include independent artists in that soundtrack and not have to go automatically through like a labels catalog or something right. like that. And Spike actually handpicked mm. each and every independent artist and formed a relationship with every independent artist. Well, I don't know if he formed a relationship. I, I got to have a relationship with Spike. Like he's, he's somebody I can text with and just talk to, which is really fucking amazing mm-hmm. because that type of opportunity never really existed when I was only able to license my music to Viacom and MTV. Mm. And... Where would a a show like She's Gotta Have It, which is a show about a black woman and her sexual autonomy, what network would that have been on? None. Where? (laughs) A black woman expressing her sexual autonomy with three different black men, and she's also an artist, and she's also hella Brooklyn. Where would that have happened other than on Netflix? Where would Chewing Gum have happened other than a a, a girl who looks like that, who Mm. talks like that, from that environment, and she's not even a black American girl, so we're seeing slang as black girls that we don't even know. We're seeing cultural norms that we don't even know, but Mm -hmm. we're connecting with it because we're looking for content that speaks to us. And it's not just black women. It's women of color. Yes. And I'm not even... I'm going to take it so far as to say women in general Mm -hmm. because women want to see representations of femininity that are not all male-driven or not all based around what men want to see when they look at a woman or Mm -hmm. or, or the ideas of like how women are supposed to behave. Yeah. And Netflix is opening up an avenue for that. Now, there's also a black-owned one called Quelle TV. Yeah. Admittedly, I don't know Mm -hmm. a lot about Quelle TV. Mm -hmm. I just found out about it when Monique started popping off and people were like, why don't you put nothing on Quelle TV? And then I felt bad because I'm like, I didn't even know about that. (laughs) (laughs) How black am I? (laughs) So, I have to get up on that. But I think that entities like that and you know, but a lot more media networks, now that we know the net neutrality is coming, a lot more media networks are going to be creating their own content. Exactly. Which is why I said Black Panther is important, because now it proves that black content is profitable. Very profitable. Yes, it's it's where the, the playing field is starting to kind of pan out a little bit more. Because, like, even when I think about shows like Star Trek Discovery, it's, you know, because also, too, you do have two leading black, you have two leading women of color you have uh Sonika Green's character and you also have Michelle Yao's character so it's it's just where we are we are just in this what I call a renaissance of of representation and it's in the internet and social media is definitely moving it along at a very at a rapid rate that I don't think would have been done without the internet and therefore with things like Netflix and and other platforms that are giving more room for for people and not just people with money but just people with an ambition and with a dream to say hey look I have faith in this project I want you to have faith in it too so here you go take it now all we need to see is proper representation for our Asian sisters and brothers. They there stop being played by white people all the time. Come and on now. really be getting somewhere. Scarlet, we're talking about you. Yeah, again, <laughs> I like ScarJo. I just don't need to see ScarJo as an Asian lady. Yeah, it's, it's, it definitely sends the wrong message, especially when you have 
women claiming to amazing talented awesome yeah asian actresses asian and indian actresses who are out here who need the roles and need who the parts that could benefit work. from it yes and then you go get scarjo who's already had an amazing career an amazing career and, and then off just one movie well yeah. one movie she could do like maybe 10 people's careers so it's just disingenuous when you have that kind of whitewashing mm. <laughs> so it's just now we get to the discussion where we talk about hashtag what Black Panther means to me. And what we have here, we have different people explaining exactly what that hashtag says. So, for example, we have Handel at Mika Burton, also known as an actor, seeing roles that aren't just the Black sidekick, the maid, the sassy Black friend, give me hope for my career. And as a nerd, I finally feel validated as a nerd of color. This wow. is every childhood trauma finally being vindicated. Wow, that's that's very very powerful. <laughs> that that that's that good. is that is that's, whew, that's a lot. Now on to the next one. We have handle Mr. Randy Watson. It's everything really to know that kids can walk down the toy aisle and see an action figure that looks like them. That. Black women can be warriors too. That communities are coming together to make sure underprivileged kids see it. It's us celebrated. Mm, Touche there. We have at handle Esco Blades. Finally seeing Africa depicted in a powerful and positive light, free from the effects of colonialism, with characters that look like me, having motivations beyond the portrayal of black pain on screen. Mm. At Rena V Cosplay, that I have lived long enough to see little black girls, dark skinned, natural hair, even bald, have these powerful African women who are strong, beautiful, and brilliant in STEM at that to look up to and buy toys and merch for. Like, that's, whew. like, clearly, this definitely speaks to. An experience that a lot of people still try to undermine and say that well, it's not that big of a deal. So, hashtag what Black Panther means to me, go. I think there are times when um, I have to check my privilege mm. because um, I had the privilege of being socially awkward, meaning mm. I, even though I was nerdy and even though I had very niche interests. I did not care that people didn't necessarily think that my interests were cool or didn't necessarily like the same things that I like. And it shaped me to be the adult I am mm. where, you know, I walk into business meetings with two nose rings and my side cut and my brown and purple dreads down mm -hmm. to my butt that I have been growing for 20 years. Um, and I, I get the benefit of, of owning mm. a very... Uh, other approach mm. to my womanhood and femininity that a lot of women don't get to experience that a lot of people of color don't get to experience because I'm also an artist and so in a lot of ways I understand that I have privilege in, in that I'm able to be very expressed and and find representation in different things I connect with mm. that other people don't and so when I read the what Black Panther means to me hashtag and these are mostly like like grown folk doing this I, I I was moved by it hmm. because I'm like that's like people really were looking for 
this type of representation. People yeah. really were looking for this type of aesthetic. People were looking for permission mm-hmm. to to connect with certain ideas and connect with certain images. And I thought that that was really beautiful that they found something that allowed them that. And I can mm. only hope that people create more content that speaks to that. Yes. I mean, I'm a content creator, so I only hope that the con- content that I put out can connect with people uh, in a similar way and help them find something very special inside of them that they were not able to. Because a lot of times we can't express express certain things about ourselves without a reference point. Yeah, like true. To see a warrior woman and see what that looks like yeah. will give mm-hmm. a young, not even necessarily a little girl, but maybe just a young woman an idea, mm-hmm. an aesthetic that goes along with how she feels about herself. Yes. And we are visual creatures. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's real important. And I loved it. I thought it was badass. So um, I hope that there's more of that moving forward. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, I, like, this is like, you know, we have these different industries. You know, Shea Moisture, y'all didn't have to go get no little light-skinned girl with unnappy hair to represent for y'all brand. And H&M, that darkest <laughs> monkey in the circus thing, that wasn't cool. And Dove, you didn't have to have a black girl pulling off her black and become white. Like, I hope that they starting to see that you can just market to black people and it's fine. It's fine. And not only that, it is not only black people that are excited to see Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Like, that's another thing. Like, yeah. you think everybody in their mama ain't going to see Black Panther? I have white friends mm-hmm. who are talking about what they gonna wear when they go see Black Panther. So, like, seriously, like, let's, let's, let's just accept, like, in, in any other instance... We accept that things that are black are lucrative and entertaining. Hip-hop is still black. I know that a lot of the people at the forefront of hip-hop right now that are having a lot of success are people that are not necessarily black. Mm-hmm. But it's still black culture. The it NBA is. is still mostly black players. Oh, yeah. Like, let's not act like we don't love black people in entertainment. So, yeah. like, now this film is going to just be the one exception and we need to pick it apart? Yeah. Agreed. Nah, fam. We ain't doing that. Yeah. And to kind of, you know, this, is, this will kind of segue into this. Um... What Black Panther means to me, hashtag. It's where I grew up. I grew up reading comics. I grew up painting, doing illustration. I grew up watching the anime that I could get a hold of. Um, A lot of what my hobbies were. It's where now looking in hindsight of of how... people tend to think that they are, you know, that there's this correlation with whiteness, that these hobbies are something that, oh, well, this is a white people thing. Where it's like, you have to realize that white people did not create the culture. They simply just are more visible with it. And because of the systemic nature and how they use their power, they can therefore kind of they can kind of make you think that, well, this is white stuff. When you look at the manga that comes from various areas of Japan, when you look at all of these different um, uh, movies that come from places like Nigeria and Ghana and Latin, you know, Latin, various parts of Latin America. And when you just think about these things that aren't even, that don't even originate with white people anyway, mm. you know, and yet here we are, you know, Still, still, in a way, kind of saying that nerd culture is somehow still what white people mm. do. 
it's something that I'm glad Black Panther and, and other examples like this are, are, are finally kind of saying, hey, look, since we're talking about nerd culture, let's really talk about the origins here. Let's really kind of unpack what we've associated with pop culture, you know, that this is not a white thing, that we are not trying to be white or we are not trying to simply other ourselves because it'll give us possibly either, you know, protection, you know, from being the stereotypical black or Mm. Or saying that, hey, look, this will put me on a pedestal that's higher than the average black because my my hobbies align with a more non-black sector. But it's just something that we we all we express ourselves. We we've been part of the culture for a very long time. It's just that the story of how we filtered into it was is just you know it's not the same story. So for me, and as a content creator myself, it's just. Only simply telling me like, hey, Nicole, just go out and do your thing. Nothing is truly stopping you and putting together what you want to see for yourself. Mm -hmm. And that now that the advent of social media is making things a lot more accessible and possible to access, it's like, it only just gives me hope because it, t it tells the, the person that's in their one bedroom apartment, you know, with the camera you know, with the mic and saying, hey, Nicole, you can do magic and don't think that you have to be of a particular pedigree to get it done because of the avenues of what's available to, available to you now. So I personally am just sick of everything being compared to white people. Yeah, like, I mean, that's that's it. Right, like the, the highest thing that we could ever aspire to yeah. is to have the same thing that whites have. That's not uh -huh. what equality is. It's not. Equality is I have the power to achieve the maximum result with what I'm good at and what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I have the power to have everything that I deserve mm -hmm. and, and, and earn it. That's equality. Not, hey, I want to be on... Like, and that's... We do, we do not need to compare Black Panther to Wonder Woman no. or to Batman or to Superman. Like, it can just be something in and it's, of itself that thing. does really well. Yep. Like, we don't necessarily have to play the corporate numbers game. We could just like it for what it is and yeah. not feel like we need to compare it to everything white or compare ourselves yeah. to everything white. We can just be what we are. And I think that... You know, it's probably going to make some black folk mad that I said that, but we need to quit doing that. That'd be right. Like, stop. Right. <laughs> we need to stop comparing ourselves all the time and just let things be what they are. Yep. So, now, this is the part where we got to say, well, that's that. So This was fun, though. This, it was. It was a lot of information and just a lot of just the vibes. Like, oh, you and Sheila were just amazing and just bringing you guys to the table it i know they're gonna that the audience is gonna be like oh man like we need to get on it you I'm know i'm very appreciative the street yeah. level for bringing me out and to first aid comics for having us here today this was a lot of fun it was I appreciate you were an amazing host oh host with the most nicole thank you guys so much this was a lot of fun thank you all very much for tuning in and we hope to see you at the next podcast